Hello and welcome to Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. I'm Cole and I'm going to be talking about federal holidays today. I'm Randy and I'm going to talk about the history of Lent and international traditions. I'm Beth and I'm going to be giving some different facts about Ash Wednesday and Lent the way we celebrate them today. And this is Sydney and I will be talking about Daylight Savings Time. Awesome. So, as always, we start with holiday happenings. So, what holiday happenings do we have this past week? Obviously, it was Valentine's Day. That's right. Both Sydney and I separately had activities at work. My office had a Valentine's breakfast where people brought in food and Valentine's themed cookies and cakes and all kind of different things to share with each other. That's right. And my workplace had a bunch of uh, Valentine's Day goodies. So cakes, I brought in cupcakes and chocolate covered pretzels and cookies and candy and all that fun stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Does anybody else have any holiday happenings? No. My work, I was all alone. (laughs) (laughs) On Valentine's Day. I was not all alone, but I was working. (laughs) (laughs) Not eating? Not eating. Yeah. Nothing fun. Well, we did share Valentine's cards with each other. Yep. Yep. As part of our family. I did forget until the evening to wear red at all. I actually wore black (laughs) for some reason. That's funny. Shame (laughs) on you. I know. But when I got home, then I remembered to switch into red. I remembered to wear red to work. Oh, yeah. We always wear red to work. (laughs) I remembered to wear red. Nobody saw me. But I wear it. (laughs) You could see yourself in the mirror. It was a sad day at work, yes. Well, we hope you all had a happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Whenever you're listening to this. And with that, we'll switch over to our first main topic of the day. All right. So I wanted to talk just a little bit about what generally federal holidays are, sort of where they come from. So it's an authorized holiday that's recognized by the U.S. government. And a federal holiday involves non-essential government offices being closed. So non-essential in this context means offices that are not vital to national security or essential infrastructure, like nuclear power stations. Right. So they're going to be things like the IRS, post office, all of those offices. Yeah, so the vast majority of the government takes off on Mm -hmm. federal holidays. Right. And federal holidays do not directly affect private sector businesses. A lot of private sector businesses do give their employees the day off on federal holidays, on some federal holidays, the biggest one obviously being Christmas, or they give them holiday wages, but they aren't held to that standard by the United States government because they are private sector. So their federal holidays themselves are designated by the Congress under Title V of the U.S. Code. Good old Title V. Good old Title V. <laughs> um, so, and Title V is part of the code that involves the executive schedule and general schedule as well. So that's the pay for federal employees as well as the days that they get off. Right. So under the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, even the federal holidays that are on weekends are either observed on the following Monday or on the Friday beforehand. So federal employees are always going to get a day off, even if the federal holiday is on a weekend. And there are 10 federal holidays. Starting at the beginning of the year and going downwards, we have New Year's Day, 
birth of Martin Luther King Jr., Washington's birthday. Which Memo- is also President's Day. Right, which is also President's Day, which we talked about. We have Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, and then Christmas Day. Oh, not Christmas Eve, huh? No. No, not Christmas Eve. Okay. Now, the Uniform Act that puts the holidays onto Mondays primarily backs Christmas and New Year's. Right. Because a lot of the other, other holidays are going to be on weekdays. Right. Or they're, or they're set on a Monday. Right. The other thing that as a federal worker, there's a gap between President's Day and Memorial Day. And that's like the long, no <laughs> holiday gap that right. federal workers yes. never look forward to, right? It's fun that's because right. you're getting lots of holidays, and then for a while there, you're getting none. you got to take time off using your leave if you want time off. The other thing is if you're a contractor or a private company, a lot of them try to follow that same schedule mm-hmm. because the schools generally follow that schedule. The post office follows that schedule. Right. Bank, a lot of banking banks follow that schedule. Yeah, so they try to follow that schedule. But there are some of the smaller holidays like Columbus Day, Veterans Day, President's Martin Luther Day. King, President's Day, that they'll use as floater holidays, which means you can take that day off. But if you don't, you can bank it and take it out as a floating holiday anytime during the year. So people will sometimes bank those and take them as Christmas Eve day or New Year's Eve day as a way to kind of move them out to help themselves later in the year. Right. Right. And a lot of the dates on these holidays are going to change depending on the year. That's right. So New Year's Day, Independence Day, Veterans Day, and Christmas Day are all on the same calendar day of the year. But like you said, a lot of a lot of the other holidays are going to be always on a Monday. So the day of the year is always going to be changing. Right. And sometimes the president will give federal workers an extra day off, particularly if Christmas Day is near a weekend, but not right up against a weekend. So like a Tuesday or a Thursday, sometimes you'll get one of those extra Fridays or Mondays off, depending on what's going on in the world. Right. And if there's a government shutdown, then the president will give you a whole lot of days. Give some, some people a whole lot of days yeah. off. That's right. So the thing about federal holidays is that they're going to be very expensive for the government because you have so many employees that are not working on that. So there aren't many federal holidays, and it takes a lot to get one approved. Uh, but there are some proposed federal holidays. There's Susan B. Anthony Day, proposed by Carolyn Maloney who is a U.S. representative from New York. Does that have a day that comes along with it, or no? The date here says February 15th to 21, so I guess some floating somewhere in that area. Not a whole range? Yeah, <laughs> a whole week of. A whole week of Susan B. Anthony week. So for those who don't know, Susan B. Anthony was a social reformer and played a major role in the women's suffrage movement. Yep. So another holiday is Malcolm X Day, which is proposed to be in May. Uh, Flag Day, which was proposed several times. Right, so Flag Day actually is a holiday. It's it is a some, holiday. It's, it's, actually, not, it's not a federal holiday that the federal government gets off. But it is a holiday. Right. Okay, so the proposal was just to have the government have allow that it day to off. be. Right. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. And for those who don't know, Malcolm X was a civil rights leader. Right. Then there's Native Americans Day and then Election Day or Democracy Day. And I think, I don't know, I'm always surprised that we don't get that day completely off. But some companies do different things and right. um, letting their workers go 
either early or later to go vote to make sure that they do that. Right. But yeah. It's, it's but not all employers do that. No, yeah. that's why I said so. Yeah. Yeah. So. The federal government does. And the Native American Day, I had heard that that was a proposal to change Columbus Day into Native American Day. That, that was right? one of the options was to, to rebrand Columbus Day to something else. Yeah, I had heard that too. This looks like it's from September 15th to 21, again with the floating Monday. Right. Okay, so that's different than Columbus So Day. that is different than Columbus Yeah, Day. different than the day. I'd also heard there was a proposal to have a Freedom Day that was 9-11, oh. that day off. Yeah. And then also, for people that don't know, when there is an election, a presidential election, and on Inauguration Day, the Washington, D.C. metro area gets Inauguration Day off. So sometimes, as well, the federal government will have a day off that is localized to an area. I will say, just this past year, the president gave federal employees off the day that former President Bush passed on. That's exactly right. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. that's true. So the whole federal government was shut down. And we do have state holidays. Certain states will give their local governments days off because... That's just how our union works, is that states have certain authorities that the federal government does not. So in your state, you may have a holiday that your local government gets off that is not recognized by the federal government. Yeah, a good example of that is in Pennsylvania. The Monday after Thanksgiving is the opening of deer season, and they give schools, banks, all those things closed as a state holiday. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. I think the first day of fishing season is, too. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember the deer season in growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hunting deer season. Yeah. And referring back to our previous podcast, in the state of Louisiana, they do have Mardi Gras. Yeah, so it does vary from place to place. Mm -hmm. That's right. So there's a lot of observed or sort of unofficial holidays that are religious, like there's a lot of Jewish, Islamic, Christian holidays that a lot of people celebrate in the United States, and a lot of holy days that we don't really think of as holidays. One of those is Ash Wednesday. That's right. Ash Wednesday this year, 2019, is on Wednesday, March 6th. Now I'm going to talk about Ash Wednesday and Lent, and I'm not going to go into the histories of them. But I'm going to give you some information about them today from a Protestant viewpoint, although they come from a Catholic tradition. So not all Protestant churches observe Ash Wednesday in Lent, but many do. If you want to experience Ash Wednesday and don't have a church, you can call around to local churches and you will find some that observe it and that you can receive ashes at a ceremony there. The ashes for Ash Wednesday come from the palm branches that were used the previous year for Palm Sunday. The ashes are normally placed on the forehead, but can also be put on the back of the hand. And those palms are used to honor the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, if I'm not wrong. Correct, that's right. The ashes symbolize that God created man from dust, and upon dust, our body returns to ash. And when you receive the ashes, usually you'll hear something like that. It's supposed to be a a humbling kind of ceremony. Correct. That is right. It is the day following Fat Tuesday, which Sydney talked about in our last podcast. Also called Mardi Gras. Good job, Brandy. (laughs) And it signals the beginning of Lent. So Lent is the 40 days before Easter, beginning on Ash Wednesday. Why are 40 days significant to Lent? Do you guys want to guess that? Do you have any ideas? 40 days in the desert? Yep. Yeah. It's one of them. In the Bible, Jesus spent 40 days wandering in the desert. Fasting, right? Fasting, yep. 
It was after he was baptized by John the Baptist. Yeah. And he went then right into 40 days in the desert. So th- I think there's a lot of 40 things in the Bible. I think the Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years That's in right. the Old Testament. So Elijah walked 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of the Lord, Mount yeah. Horeb. Wow. I didn't have Mount that. Sinai. And Noah had 40 days and 40 nights of rain on the ark. So clearly 40 days is a significant number throughout the Bible. Or 40 years. 40. 40 years. The, the Just number the number of 40. 40. So if you're turning 40, then that should be Woo! like a big Christian holiday or something. That's right. That's like right. you've stopped wandering in darkness. <laughs> That's right. So Sundays are not included in those 40 days. This year, with Ash Wednesday being March 6th, there seems to be two possible end dates, believe it or not, even though it seems very cut and dry. The one is April 18th which is Holy Thursday, or Monday Thursday, when Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples before being crucified the next day. The other date is April 20th, which is the day before Easter when Jesus is resurrected. So depending on where you look, you can get either one of those dates, which surprised me. Right, so if you're going to a church or you're celebrating in some way, then... If you're not familiar with what your local congregation does, you'll just need to ask. Because it does vary what churches are celebrating and which holidays within Lent, which Christian holidays within Lent, Christian days that they specifically focus on vary from congregation to congregation as well. That's right. And the last week of Lent is called Holy Week because there are a lot of those special Christian holidays within that last week specifically. Right. Violet is the Lenten color, and it symbolizes both the grieving of Jesus dying and the celebration of his resurrection with colors of royalty as the Son of God, Mm -hmm. the King. I thought that was interesting because I didn't realize that purple or violet was a... Was a royal color? No, I knew the royal color. I didn't know it was a grieving color. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, because red and purple are always the the royal colors because they were so expensive back. The dyes were were so expensive, right. Lent consists of three ways to get closer to Jesus. Fasting, prayer, and charitable giving. I'm going to start with fasting. Fasting is something that people participate in during Lent. Fasting can mean different things to different people, but it involves giving up something and turning to God. Some give up something pleasurable, and when they desire it, it's an opportunity to focus and connect to God. Some give up a habit or vice, and it's a time of repentance and self-control. So, like, you could give up Miami. Miami. (laughs) Yes, you could give up watching Miami Vice. But you could give up something like television or... It doesn't have to be... Usually we associate fasting with food, but it doesn't have to be a food. That's right. It can be something that takes up a lot of your time or you just don't think is healthy for you. Not just for your body, but you as a person. Right. If you look on Facebook, at different times you'll see people say, I'm going off of Facebook right. for a while, you know, for weeks, for 40 days, for Lent, for whatever. Yeah. Uh, they take time away from it because from clearly... social media, right. Right. It's taking a lot of their time and they are trying to get that back in balance in their life. Although fasting is for the days before Easter, sometimes it is an opportunity for people to start a good habit and they take it beyond Easter day. Yeah, I know a lot of people will continue, like if they give up something like soda, they'll continue to give up soda after Lent is over. Right, because you realize after a little while, okay, Mm -hmm. I don't really need that. 
The second thing is prayer. Prayer is another Lenten tradition to stay centered on Christ, the goal being to become changed by that 40-day experience in connecting personally to him. The third part of Lent is charitable giving. Charitable giving during Lent is something that should be sacrificial. It prepares the heart to receive the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. So if you choose to do this, take time to think about it and choose intentionally. If there's a church that has touched your heart, that could be a good place to give. There are organizations like World Vision or Compassion International or the Heifer Project that help and teach people around the world so they can break the cycle of poverty. There are local ways to help people in your community. Some are already organized charities and others can be more creative like getting friends and family together to prepare baskets of food and small gifts for those that are homebound. You can be very creative with that however you want to do it. It may take a little sleuthing on your part, but if this is something that you would like to do for Lent and even beyond, there are ways to help. I hope this helps you understand Ash Wednesday and Lent a little more from today's perspective. Uh, But there is a whole history of it that would be interesting to know. Sort of touched on a little bit, but I hope we can get into that a little more. (laughs) There's a quote from a Catholic nun, Sister Joan Chittister who writes, Lent is the opportunity to change what we ought to change but have not. Lent is about becoming, doing, and changing whatever it is that is blocking the fullness of life in us right now. Lent is a summons to live anew. Lent is the time to let life in again, to rebuild the worlds we've allowed to go sterile, to fast and weep and mourn for the goods we've foregone. If our own lives are not to die from lack of nourishment, We must sacrifice the pride or the sloth or the listlessness that blocks us from beginning again. Then, as Joel promises in the scriptures, God will have pity on us and pour into our hearts the life we know down deep that we are lacking. So I really like that description of what Lent is. As I was looking at the history of Lent, it was interesting to see how far back the concept of 40 days of preparation goes. There are two significant preparation times in the Christian religion. One is Advent, which we talked about previously in preparation for the Christ child being born and his coming into the world and the impact that had on all of us. And then this particular preparation time, which is in preparation for Easter and Jesus' death and resurrection that comes later. And we'll talk about those in the weeks to come. So since the earliest times in the church, there is evidence of this kind of Lenten preparation for Easter. For instance, St. Irenaeus, well, he wasn't a saint at the time, but who lived in the late 180s, 180 years after Christ, he wrote to Pope Victor I, who later became Pope St. Victor I, commenting on the celebration of Easter and the differences in the practices of celebration between the East and the West. To quote him, it says, the dispute is not only about the day, but also about the actual character of the fast. Some think they ought to fast for one day, some for two, others for still more. Some make their last day actually last 40 hours on end. Such variation in observance did not originate in our own day, but very much earlier in the time of our forefathers, end quote. And the forefathers he was referring to were the original apostles, those who wrote the letters and wrote the gospel. So it was interesting even back then, 
that they had this concept of preparation and that there was variance, kind of like you talked about. You'll find that there's different ways to observe, and that varies based on group and church and denomination and all sorts of things. So it actually wasn't until the 300s that Lent became a little more regular. Christianity was legalized in 313 AD, and in the Council of Nicaea, which was in 325 AD, it actually was written down that there are 40 days of Lent. So that was really the first written down clearly in the church that there will be 40 days of Lent. So it's pretty clear by the end of the 4th century that the 40-day period of Easter preparation known as Lent existed and that prayer and fasting constituted its primary spiritual exercises. So as we talked about earlier, where the number 40 comes, right? it comes from a number of places in the Bible. The other thing that Beth mentioned was that there was variation in what that 40 meant. So looking back over history, in Jerusalem, for instance, people fasted for 40 days, Monday through Friday, but not on Saturday and Sunday, thereby making Lent last for eight weeks because it still needed to be 40 days. In Rome and in the West, people fasted for six weeks, Monday through Saturday, making Lent last for six weeks. Eventually, the practice prevailed for practicing fasting for six days a week rather than for five, and that's where the six weeks of Lent comes into play for most of the Christian religion now. The rules of fasting varied as well. Some areas of the church abstained from all forms of meat or animal products, while others made exception for food like fish. Uh, so that also, so that also kind of clarified over time what people meant. But as I was always taught in the church, that if you give up something for Lent, tough it out. Don't act like a Pharisee. We're always looking for a loophole, which is a reference to biblical times, the Jesus times. When we would give something up for Lent, we gave it up all the entire time, not just Monday through right. Saturday. And then on Easter, then that's when it kind of was over and you could then, you know, uh, have whatever it was. Like, right. So if you gave up candy, that was awesome because Easter morning, <laughs> right. then you got a basket and sweet. Right. Yeah. you could really or gorge chocolate. yourselves. Right. <laughs> right. Or chocolate or whatever it may be. I was surprised by that too because when I was researching this, it surprised me that people took off on Sundays. Like, yeah. that sounded a little cheaty to me right. because I had toughed it out. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about giving things up for Lent. Were you talking about when you were growing up or as and an adult? Even or? as an adult. Growing up and as an adult. So what kind of things did you give up as a kid? Like candy? Uh, as a kid, it would be like soda or candy. It would be trying to be nice to your brothers, you know. <laughs> you gave that up. You gave that up. The problem was I always gave that up, and I was trying to ungive it up for, uh, <laughs> for Lent. Yeah, it's simple stuff like that. And, you know, we were in a mixed area as far as the a lot of Christians, but there were a lot of different denominations, Catholic, non-Catholic. And because I had a lot of Catholic friends, they would often talk about what they gave up for Lent or what they were giving up for Lent. And sometimes it was foods or drinks. Sometimes it was behaviors that they were trying to do. So right. I heard it a lot, even though my church really didn't push it. You know, some people in church did it, even though it wasn't pushed. So I just did it sometimes. Sometimes I didn't. Kind yeah. of like a social thing, though, when you have friends that are doing it and you hear about it a lot. Right. I, right. That was That happened in college for me. I had a lot of friends that were Catholic, and it was something then that triggered, oh, okay. Right. But I'm the same way now. Sometimes I give up. Sometimes I don't. I don't feel compelled to. Right. 
But if I want to, I can. So did you guys do um, you guys ever give anything up? Can you remember? I don't know. Do you remember giving I remember giving up stuff like soda and like potato chips and things like that. A lot of candy, I remember giving that up. Sort of smaller things. I don't really remember giving up behavioral problems. Yeah. We tried to get you to do that and you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember one year, I think when I was a little older, I was like, you know, I'm spending time on these different online system so what i did was what did i do it was like three of them i'll maybe give up one for three days or and then switch to the other one like um, one of them was netflix right so that was one of um and i would give that up for three days and then switch to another one i don't know it was kind of convoluted but um so you but i did that every, the whole time yeah so you just kept going back and forth between yeah, to, the three to give up kind of to give myself a nice healthy little break right. i think from from all that that all changed when i went to college and then netflix was my lifeline so <laughs> <laughs> was was my joy in life <laughs> But uh, but I remember that pretty it was the things that kept your the thing that kept your tears away at night. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dry my sorrows. Um, <laughs> no, I do remember giving up like candy, and like Dad said, then you know you go to Easter. Easter comes, and you you have a bunch of candy, right. more than you could possibly want in yeah. one day. So obviously that wasn't something you were going to carry forward beyond Easter. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I know for me, there's a point when I stopped liking candy the way that I used to. Right. Like, I know a lot of, like, even adults really like candy. Right. But, you know, don't eat it as much because it's not... That really wasn't the case for me. I kind of stopped liking a lot of candies. Like, really sweet things. Right. And the intent of giving up something for Lent is to give up something that is important to you, not something that's easy to give up. So giving up candy now for me... I don't eat candy. Right. So, right. so it's not a sacrifice. It's, not the same it's supposed thing. to be right. sacrificial. You're right. supposed to. Right. And you can call it fasting or whatever, but the sacrifice right. is supposed to help you to, to, to focus on God and on your relationship with Him during that time. So as you think about, oh, I really want that, whatever, diet, chocolate, Coke, candy, chocolate, yeah. whatever it may be, or I really want the gossip today, but I gave it up. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> that you are supposed to then look to God to. To fill that time, right? right? And fill that desire with him instead of whatever that thing right. was. So yeah. now, as an example, I would have to give up something like drinking or online gambling. <laughs> yeah, right. Horse right. racing. Nice, <laughs> that is all claps. jokes. Yeah, they are all jokes. Yes. But I do also remember having these little satchels um, that I would put quarters in. And I really like that. I will always sift through the basketful of these little satchels to find a pattern that I really liked. Yes, and that was to give to the poor and needy at right. the end. So you gave right. a quarter a day. So it was the oh, thirty pieces of silver. That's oh, what that's it, what was. it was. Yeah. So was. Thirty pieces. Of Our church silver. had done a thirty pieces of silver, and, and that, that represents the thirty pieces of silver that in the Bible Jesus, who was the Son of God, was betrayed by a close friend, for Judas. Judas, for thirty pieces of silver. Right. So you right. have you get that satchel. On Ash Wednesday mm-hmm. or right after, so that you right. have time to fill it up over Lent, and that was another mm-hmm. way to focus right. your time and thoughts on Him. One of the nice things when Sydney was talking about sift through the satchels mm-hmm. is the older ladies in the church would actually make these little bags right. for this purpose. They made them, yes. yes. And they I were didn't each know unique. That. Yeah, that's why they were so unique. 
And yeah. so they used all kinds of different materials. Yeah, yeah. So you would go over to this big basket and it was choose. so colorful. Right. And you could go through and choose which one you mm-hmm. wanted for that year. And that was a sacrificial thing to do. And it also combined charitable giving. So it was a really neat thing to do. The other interesting thing about Lent that I found is that it is celebrated very differently when you look at the Christian population across the world. For instance, in Guatemala, during Easter week, so that's that Holy Week, people crowd to the streets to see a procession, kind of like a long parade, with these elaborate designs of what is called a carpets of sawdust. So they have these parade floats where the carpets are made of colored sawdust, fruits, flowers, and vegetables. And after that procession, the locals scramble to recreate the designs in preparation for the next day's activity. So I saw pictures online, and basically they're like a parade float, but they're just covered in colored sawdust and fruits and vegetables. That is so interesting. I wonder why sawdust, fruits, and vegetables. Like I could see if you chose something like sawdust, then colorful sawdust, but... It's a neat idea, but then to add fruits and vegetables is interesting. Yes, and each of these came from somewhere, but I don't have the history of all these, nor right. the time to go through that. In Italy, for instance, instead of Easter eggs, they feast and give out traditional Italian cakes. They basically mean Eastern Dove, but it's a cake that they give out instead of Easter eggs. I bet that tastes really good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, cake, boiled egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just most Italian cakes are pretty good, so I'd take that over an egg. (laughs) In Denmark, on the last Sunday before Lent begins, they have this thing called Festilav, where cream or jam-filled buns are eaten and children dress up in costumes. So they fill a barrel up with candy and they beat it much like a Mexican piñata. And the two children who break the barrel are crowned the Cat King and the Cat Queen. Because the barrel used to contain a live cat instead of candy. Why did barrel contain <laughs> no a idea. live cat? I, I did not re- research on these. I'm just telling you what they do. Good so grief. our cat disapproves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. right over there. <laughs> In Greece, the Monday before Ash Wednesday is called Clean Monday, and it's a national holiday in Greece. Families go to the countryside and beaches for picnics and kite flying. So the interesting thing about kite flying is that pretty common in many Lenten celebrations across the globe. Greek Orthodox Christians give up meat and animal products and they eat beans or pastas instead. Of course, they can do that in that area. Cookies and cakes are permitted as long as butter is not included. Right, because it's any products from animals. Right. Butter, milk. It was a lot of things to give up. I bet that's really nice. Like the going out into the Greek countryside and oh, yeah. flying kites that and eating great. like Greek pasta. And, and this stuff. is part of it. <laughs> that sounds delightful. Why don't we have things like that? In England, the arrival of Lent is marked by making pancakes and holding pancake races. I don't know. How do you make pancakes races? Well, you can't just leave. You have to elaborate on that. No, I don't. I can't. <laughs> I guess that's for people to look up. Yeah, this is right. opportunities for people to Don't find things out. Don't just drop pancake race. <laughs> <laughs> the British Isles also have one of the most beloved Lenten customs of eating hot cross buns to symbolize the cross. And I remember eating hot cross buns, yep. buns as a kid, and they were delicious. They are. They have like a glaze or something on them, don't that's they? Right. Is it yes. like a donut? No, it's a bun. It's but It's definitely a bun. But it's, it has like a sweet glaze on it. It's really good. In India, Catholics have their own version of Carnival, or Carnival, with three days of music, dancing, and feasting, culminating in a Mass. 
Notably, the Indian Catholics have traditionally been joined by Hindu and Muslim neighbors for the festivities. So that was kind of interesting that they all come together. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Specifically, uh, this says it's in Goa, India, right. which is the territory that the Portuguese held. So most of you know that the British held most of India, so this would have been the small, predominantly Catholic part of India in western India. That's interesting. Some parts of Germany, old Christmas trees are burned during Lent to welcome in spring. Lent being the old Germanic word for spring. Holy Week is honored by the staging of processions and passion plays to remind the faithful of Jesus' suffering. The most famous of these is held every 10 years in Oberammergau, Germany. I'm sure I pronounced that on on spot. (laughs) You're not yelling it, so I think it's... I meant to say, I'm sure I pronounced that spot on. And this custom dates back to 1633 when the people of the town vowed to stage a passion play should God be merciful and end an outbreak of the plague. The first play was held the next year. Holy Thursday is known in Germany as Green Thursday, although there's no real reason why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Just the other colors were taken. Interesting, the Czechs and the Slovaks normally eat green foods during this time as well. So why it's named Green Thursday, we don't know, but there are several groups celebrated in that way. Also in Slovakia, on Palm Sunday, they also call it Flower Sunday. After the morning mass, children and villages gather around the Maypole and go through the town singing about Christ's journey to Jerusalem. Oh, that's interesting. The, the maple. maple. That's something that I can kind of visualize a right. little more than any of these ambiguous Italian pastas and... <laughs> right, kite right. flying? Yeah, kite flying. In Bulgaria, there's a festival that's celebrated on the Saturday before Easter to honor spring and young girls. A beloved event of the year, this festival represents a kind of debut for the girls. They gather on the Saturday before Palm Sunday. They decorate the gates of the village with willow twigs and they walk through the village singing. The next day, they make Palm Sunday wreaths. And according to superstition, young girls who refuse to take part will never find a husband. (gasps) Terrible. Harsh. (laughs) Needless to say. All right, Bulgaria. (laughs) Needless to say, the day is also used for marriage proposals. Oh. And I'll read a few more. It's interesting how some superstition, like we've talked about in previous podcasts. Yeah, there's kind of some folk stuff Yeah, it leaks into the Lent season. Tying twigs to the village gate sounds like a very sort of pagan thing. Yes, anything with twigs. Anything with twigs. (laughs) Very shamanistic. (laughs) That's right. In the Czech Republic, uh, from Holy Thursday night, the bells of the church fall silent across parts of Europe. And children were told that the bells were quiet because they had gone to Rome to make confession. As there were no bells, children would be sent out with wooden clappers to call the villagers and townspeople to services for the rest of that period of time. With the dawn of Easter morning, the bells would begin to ring once more. In the Czech Republic, the Thursday of Holy Week is called Suit Sweeping, or Black Wednesday, because chimneys were traditionally cleaned this day to prepare for Easter. Yeah, again, how they connect these things. Yeah, a lot of colored days. I'm thinking a lot of um, Mary Poppins. You have... You have kite flying. I know. You have picnics. You have picnics. Chimneys. So in Sweden, pancakes are also eaten on Fat Tuesday, traditionally accompanied by (laughs) bowls of pea soup. Oh, Oh, pancakes and pea soup. Yeah. And on Holy Thursday, children dress as witches and receive candy and Easter eggs. 
Yep. That is very interesting. And then the last one I'll talk about, although there was a lot of really interesting traditions across the world for Lent. In Bermuda, families fly kites made with wooden sticks on Good Friday to represent both the cross that Jesus died on and his ascension to heaven. Isn't that interesting? I had yeah. no idea there were so many different celebrations. Right, yeah. So many different kite right. and pasta. Right. And pancake. Right. And, pancake, and yeah. pea soup. <laughs> yeah, just lots of different ways to celebrate that period. And this year, right after Ash Wednesday, is Daylight Savings Time. That's right, which leads right into my section of Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> Yes, we are starting like this. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfect segue. Yeah. It's conversational. That leads into my Nailed section. High five. What you want to do is you want to move the whole thing. Okay. So daylight savings time. What is it? What is it? I actually found out that it's daylight saving time. There's not an S at the end. Yeah. Right? No, no plural. So that was the first interesting thing I learned. There's not multiple savings. There is one saving. There is one saving. <laughs> one of those common sort of speech mistakes. Right. Like when we say World War Two. Right. Although daylight savings time, it kind of like blends. Yes. Like flows yeah. better. So yes. I don't think anybody's insulted if you still say that. So what is it? It is, is a it? practice of setting clocks forward one hour during the spring and back again in the fall in order to take advantage of natural daylight. It has both benefits and can also have negative consequences as well. Ooh, negative consequences. consequences. Know, right? <laughs> so in the United States, 48 states observe daylight saving time. However, Hawaii, most of Arizona, and the U.S. territories of Guam, American Samoa, Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands choose to opt out of it. Oh. Yes. There are positive and negative effects of daylight savings. However, I'm going to first go into the history of why we even have it. Do it. During my research, there was a particular website that I really liked to pull information off of. This is the webexhibits.org daylight saving. That That sounds so wrong to me. Every time you say daylight saving time, I feel like you're saying it wrong. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But this website really gets into a lot of detail of how it came to be. So I'm just going to kind of talk about the beginning and the end. And if you all want to look up everything in between about the United States and daylight saving, um, feel free to do that. This idea of daylight saving was first conceived by Benjamin Franklin when he was an American delegate in Paris in 1784. He wrote an essay about an economical project. So this was his first thought of daylight saving time. Daylight saving time has been used in the U.S. and in many European countries since World War I. Did I say that right? World War One, <laughs> <laughs> Not War War One. Right. <laughs> At that time, in an effort to conserve fuel needed to produce electric power, Germany and Austria began saving daylight at 11 p.m. on April 30th in 1916 by advancing the hands of the clock one hour until the following October. Other countries followed suit. Idea of DST, it's... Shortened to DST. Ooh, lingo. I know, right? <laughs> I'm all educated. <laughs> the plan was not formally adopted in the U.S. until 1918, an act to preserve daylight and provide standard time for the United States was enacted on March 19, 1918. It both established standard time zones and set summer DST to begin on March 31st in 1918. 
Daylight saving time was observed for seven months in 1918 and 1919. After the war ended, the law, it was like completely unpopular after the war. Bottom line. And it was repealed in 1919. (laughs) Like people did not like it. So when Um, when was it enacted? 1918? Yeah. And it was repealed in 1919. Yes. Okay. All right. After after the war though, right? After they waited till after the war. It became a local option and was continued in a few states. So the bottom line throughout this history is something happens like war. Mm-hmm. They put in a law for a standard time. And then after the war, people don't like it. So then they repealed it. And then it became up to the states oh, to decide oh, okay. not only if they want to opt in, but put how much they want to do daylight saving. It became a bit chaotic. You think of like, for instance, the railway, right? It's like, okay, well, if I want right. <laughs> to go down the railway, you know, throughout several states, it's like, well, what time am I going to get there? Right. It, it, it makes a difference if it's yeah. right. time is different in different states. Right. Yeah. Because they didn't have to just do one hour. They could do whatever they wanted pretty much. So you can kind of see how chaotic this became. So skipping to the end, because there's a lot of back and forth with laws going into play and then being repealed because people didn't like what was happening and people doing their own thing. Finally, under legislation enacted in 1986, daylight saving time in the U.S. began at 2 a.m. on the first Sunday of April and ended at 2 a.m. on the last Sunday of October. The Energy Policy Act of 2005 extended daylight saving time in the U.S. beginning in 2007. Though Congress retained the right to revert to the 1986 law should the change prove unpopular or if energy savings are not significant. Hmm. That recently. Wow. Yeah. So going from 2007 forward, daylight saving time in the U.S. begins at 2 a.m. on the second Sunday of March and ends at 2 a.m., on the first Sunday of November. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some pros and cons, <laughs> which I which I thought were interesting. So there's this kind of debate out there whether we should have daylight saving time or not. Right. I've heard there have been a lot of pushes to repeal it right. in recent years. Right. So some negative effects. This is from the National Geographic, uh, but I've also seen it in other places too, just saying, you know, different studies throughout the world. According to some studies, the first Monday of daylight saving time has 25% more heart attacks than a typical Monday. Car accident. <laughs> That's just weird. Yes. So, yeah, not to say that this is a funny thing, it's but not, it's just kind of shocking. It's yeah. a shocking yes. thing. That's right. Uh, car accidents go up 17% in the days after time shift, which, wow. which is interesting. Workplace accidents go up about 6%. And workers are 67% more likely to miss work due to these accidents. The workplace accidents aren't the only things companies face. Productivity goes way down during the first Monday after daylight saving time, partly due to lack of sleep because we move the clock an hour forward. Right, and people haven't like recovered from that two days later or a day right. and a half later or whatever it is. Right. It's almost a feeling of being jet lagged. Yeah. And you know, you think of like people who have night shifts, right? All of a sudden, like they work an hour and then the clock resets, and you know, right, still stuck being at work right. for an extra hour. So those are some of the negative things. For positive effects, 
Some studies suggest that we spend money when it's sunny outside. So economics. <laughs> All right. Right? So if it's light out after work, people spend more at the shops. Some studies also show that children are more likely to play outside if it is light after school. True. Versus, mm-hmm. you know, just huddling inside and during the dark. Huddling <laughs> <laughs> during the dark. All right. So, so the creatures from the forest don't come <laughs> in and get them. That's right. That's right. They must play video games. Or, I was going to say, or they could be on their iPad. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. But I mean... It, but just the image of them huddling <laughs> inside for fear of the dark. <laughs> yes. So... Although I will say for myself, I am much more likely to go out and shop and do other things if there's daylight. Yeah, if it is work. light outside. Right. And from 1968 to 1971, the UK kept their version of daylight saving time for the whole year. And traffic deaths declined by 11% because it was light after work during the winter. Oh. It's light in Britain sometimes. <laughs> like her. I, I, yeah, I did not know that. I assumed it was always overcast and rainy. By beginning daylight saving time, right, it gives you more light in the evening. By ending daylight saving time in the fall, it basically gives you more light in the morning and less light in the evening. Right. So, for you all, do you think that we should still observe daylight saving time? Well... Okay, so given the daylight savings time pushes more light into the evenings, mm-hmm. I would rather have daylight savings time on all the time. <laughs> yeah. And not, not do it the because, other way. Because yeah. if you think about it, you're getting more, more light really early in the winter time. Right. Which I don't think you need. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, for most people that work, you know, their mornings are going to work, getting their kids to school. I mean, I could see that... If you're a parent with a young kid, you want it to be light out for your That's kid if they're walking say. to the bus stop or walking to school. Mm-hmm. Right. But even that has changed since we were kids, where it's you don't go as far to get to your bus, right? So you mm-hmm. don't have long walks down the road like we used to have to do to get to the bus. So I think that's even safer. But for me, I'd rather always have more time in the evening right. when I'm home. Because then the benefit would be also that you'd have just one uniform time during the entire year. Right. You wouldn't have to worry about switching back switching back or forward. Right. As I was thinking about it, it has to be, a big part of that has to be kids going to school. Or at least the reason why people wanted to stay Early. now. Because I think it used to be related to farmers having time mm-hmm. to right. get to their crops. Having more daylight. Because our entire economy isn't based on, or an infrastructure isn't based on agriculture anymore. Right. It's sort of, I imagine it can still be a benefit for farmers. Right. But not to the same degree as it would have been 200 years ago. Right. And it's still up to the states now as to whether or not they participate? I believe so. I mean, there are states that that, would be that still opt out. Yeah, Arizona. Parts of Arizona, Hawaii opts out. So for Arizona, right, They, the idea of... Daylight saving gives you more light in the evening, right? right? Well, Arizona has a bunch of sun and it's really hot there and they were too thrilled so they like with that shade. idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it works for them. I mean, I'm sure there's more information out on this topic and right. exactly why and the economics on all this as well. But for someone who commutes to work and back, I like to have, you know, some sun in the evening. Just, right. yeah. just be able to 
get out and right. do stuff or feel like yeah i'm the same way whether that means keeping daylight savings time or make it all year round mm-hmm. <laughs> daylight savings time, i would vote for either of those mm. i just right. think it's interesting that it's not a national thing that it's state yeah. because like you said mm-hmm. with time it makes a difference for people it does yeah so that's just weird to me but you also have to think about back then, they were also giving the states permission to do whatever they wanted with the time, right? right. Whereas yeah. this would be just like setting your clock an hour back or an hour forward. Right. They're opting out of that. Right. And with modern <laughs> forms of communication, I'd imagine it's much more easy now right. in terms of stuff like railways right. to sort of determine what the actual time of arrival uh, is going to be that's right multiple states do you guys remember how you learned about daylight saving time the little it was always spring forward and fall behind fall back right mm-hmm. yeah yeah because so it was take... always difficult to remember till i don't know i was probably in elementary school when they, when they yeah they taught you that. remember that yes yeah. mm-hmm. right so that was really interesting sydney thank you very much you're welcome next week we begin our think patrick's day weeks coming up So before we get to the very end, we will do our future festivities for the week of March 4th. Uh, March 4th actually doesn't have anything specific, so that's another date that if somebody wants to to, uh, nominate a holiday. Well, that seems like that should be funny. Like, it seems like March 4th. Yeah. Like, yeah. You've got, you've got a, like you're going to march forth? Yeah, you've got a, a clear setup there. March forth and something. Right, yeah, you could really, all right, yeah. so that's, you could give an action. Some, you know, somebody do something with that. Do yeah. that. Uh, March 5th is Mardi Gras, which is also Fat Tuesday. March 6th is Ash Wednesday. March 7th is National Crown Roast of Pork Day. Unless you've given up Crown Roast of Pork. and then it's, <laughs> it's an unfortunate coincidence. That's right. Yeah. March 8th is International Working Women's Day. Um, working is in parentheses, so I think it's now just International Women's Day. March 9th is Panic Day. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it's because March 10th is Daylight Savings Time and people panic. We learned of all the problems people have with heart attacks, the heart attacks, car accidents, exactly. anxiety. Right. Oh no, it's coming. So March 10th is that day. So uh, thank you for joining us again. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons or follow us on Instagram at Holiday Moons, one word. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Holiday Moons. We have a Facebook page and a group. And you can see our website for some of our background at randallmoon.wixsite.com slash holidaymoons. And you can contact us directly by sending us a note on holidaymoons at gmail.com. So, for call, Randy... Beth and Sydney. Happy Daylight Saving Time!